Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, we'd like to welcome you to our podcast. To my right of me is... Father Eric Teus, pastor of St. Patrick's here in uh, Scottsdale. And is that in Arizona? That is Arizona. All right. Yes. And to our left is our wonderful sound engineer, Kelly Hartley. Who Hi, we... Kelly. Hi, Kelly, who we do not give a microphone yet. She doesn't put a third one out. <laughs> and I'm Kevin McGloin. I'm the director of liturgy and youth ministry most days here at St. Patrick's. And we'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We're continuing our series on the sacrament, and today we're going to do the Sacrament of Holy Orders. Right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm so glad you chose to, to listen to this podcast. Um, Kevin, you know, I think it's a sacrament that many times is out of touch of people. They don't think mostly about that because part of it, many of them don't participate in that. And they may have the, the ability or the, the blessings to be able to know someone who has been ordained a priest. And that's not always the case for every Catholic uh, and so it's a good opportunity to kind of talk about what the Holy Orders are. Uh, I was on retreat uh, with the Edge that you were running, that camp there, right. and two young boys are considering priesthood. That's great. And I thought, wow, that's, that's, a good, that's how we plant the seeds on that. And so it's a life of service, a life of laying down one's life, being a, a shepherd uh, to all people. So I, I think that's an that's a important role that these... Um, that uh, this Holy Order provides. Um, at our very baptism, Kevin, we all receive the gift of being priestly people, and priestly would mean mediator between God and people. In other words, we're kind of like bridges. We, we bring God to people and people to God, and, and so we act as mediator through our prayers, through our ministries, through our, our acts of giving and following the Christ, and you know, we're all participating in that, but there is also a unique role for the Sacrament of Holy Orders. That's for bishops and priests giving this, this special role in carrying out this mission, and they exercise what's called a ministerial priesthood. And so from among of his many followers, Jesus set apart certain people to be the Twelve, for example, to have unique responsibility of carrying on his mission uh, and ministry. So, Father Eric, so what he did with the Twelve is that Jesus, to prepare them, Jesus gave them the authority to forgive sins, to preside over the breaking of the bread in his memory, and to instruct and guide the new disciples. Now, the original apostles, they knew they wouldn't be around forever, and so they wanted to ensure the continuation of the church's leadership. So what they did in the early church, the 12 apostles, is they appointed elders to succeed them and conferring upon these elders the same authority that Jesus had given them. The authority that Jesus had from the Father to forgive sins, Jesus passed that same authority on to the, to the apostles, and then the apostles to these early elders in the church. So by the late first century AD, these elders were known as bishops, presbyters, and deacons. And then by the middle of the second century, a three-tiered leadership structure uh, emerged. There was a single bishop of a local church, and that single bishop was, ass was assisted by priests and deacons, and that became the norm for the entire Christian world. Kevin, part of the joy of being a Catholic, I think if we really look at, at our faith here, is the rich history that we have. God, there, from, from the beginning, about 2,000 years ago until now, 
Um, there's some things that really have laid down from the apostles in, in that particular time. And, and one of the things is the, the, ba- the basic pattern of, of official leadership and succession that you talked about from the very first and second century to the present day. So apostles and the elders were appointed to pass on their authority and ministry to others in a certain way. And what we see in the New Testament would be an example that the apostles were set apart for mystery, ministry for prayer, by prayer by fasting, and this beautiful act called laying on of hands. Kevin, I, I know we've seen some ordinations together and, and the bishop laying down the hands of, this, of um, on those to, to be ordained. Is, is a, that, goes, that traces it right back to what we believe is the time of the apostles uh, when they would empower others. So Jesus sets apart these apostles to lead the early church, and he instructs them. And after the resurrection, he breathed upon them the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower them for ministry. And that's an important thing to remember about holy orders. It's not their work. It's not their ego, their pride, and their talents alone. It's really the opening the heart to the gift of the Holy Spirit that allows great things to happen. So when one is considering uh, this sacrament of holy orders, of ordained ministry there, that uh, an act of humility, an act of knowing that it's not us and being successful in the eyes of the world, but to really being able to listen to the Spirit and allow God's Spirit to use us is a very important gift of holy orders. So the Catholic Church, Father Eric, asks of its bishops and priests to be celibate. Jesus, and if you look at St. Paul in his writings, made it clear that celibacy is not a call given to everyone, but that it's a gift. It's a gift that enables a person to devote his or her undivided attention to the affairs of the Lord and God's kingdom. So since the early church, men and women have committed themselves to God in this way. And so it was by the 10th century that the Catholic Church of the Latin Rite confirmed the single state of life as a requirement for the priesthood. And this primary reason for this requirement is an imitation of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, celibacy is also a sign or a witness to the world. It involves renouncing the wonderful life of married, uh, wonderful life of married love for another good. And that's a greater freedom to devote time and attention to the Lord, as well as to building up his church, the body of Christ here on earth. Well, a couple of things, Kevin, we can talk about is, first of all, yeah, it's a gift. Just be careful. You might catch that gift, huh? Because it's a hard, it's a very di- a difficult gift, and not everyone has that gift. And so what we have here is the church calling the gift of priesthood and also the gift of celibacy and putting them together. And not everyone, really, Kevin, has that gift, but they practice the discipline of that. Uh, I think this is really difficult for a lot of people to understand, and, and I think, Kevin, you would say that that probably discourages a number of people to uh, maybe even think about priesthood or say that that's a possibility. And yet, being a celibate priest here and trying to live that out in the world is it's a challenge and all, but I think it's also a powerful blessing. I've seen many blessings uh, come uh, from, from my life. So, um, it's, and, um, you know, they've done a lot of surveys, uh, many types of surveys uh, throughout the Catholic Church, and, and the clergy overall have a real high percentage of, of uh, uh, what you would say, job or career satisfaction or their vocation, what we would call that, is there's still a great joy. It doesn't mean it's easy, and it's, it's a lot of sacrifice. And you know for sure, Kevin, married life is also a challenge as well, and that's a gift to, to be able to have that as well. And... Um, 
for the first thousand years, Kevin, you know this, that uh, there was not celibacy required. Part of it comes about from the church losing property to the inheritance and also a monastic type of influence that some of it's beautiful that really talks about laying down one's life, like you mentioned, uh, for the gospel, for Jesus, for a really greater good. And sometimes some people would say the monastery probably didn't have a, a good positive mindset of, of sex. But um, either way, it, you know, it serves the Lord. And we know that in the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church, uh, they have men that are married to be ordained to the priesthood. And this practice reflects their culture and Christian tradition, just as celibacy reflects the call of God in the Western branch of our Catholic Church, Roman Catholicism. In the Catholic Church, we have deacons. That's the, the, or, the ordained ministers of deacons uh, who can be married and, and are ordained to the diaconate. And uh, as you have here in our notes, Kevin, you mentioned that the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches us that deacons receive a special grace through ordination and are called to assist the ministry of bishops and priests. So deacons, too, ordained to imitate Christ in their ministry, uh, and we find in the scriptures that comes from charity to the poor and to the needs of the community. And so you look, Father Eric, at the writings of some of the popes, and Pope Benedict XVI in particular, he says this about priests, that a priest is above all a servant of others. So in the gathering, the community, modeling Christ's love for the poor, presiding at Eucharist, and evangelizing social realities, ordained ministers help Christians imitate Jesus' mission of love and justice. Uh, and, and Kevin, um, th this is something that we can honestly talk about with Pope Francis, that part of his concern probably from the very beginning of his papacy was clericalism, um, the belief of power that, you know, in, in humanity, the uh, success and power and, and, and uh, position are, are things that we all struggle with. And, and just because one's a, a priest doesn't mean they're exempt from that. As, as really, we should all be servants no matter what our vocations are. It's not, not just about us, but... Uh, you know, that's a deep challenge, and, and even though sometimes you hear priests using that term servant and servanthood, sometimes it can get lost because it can really get to you where people give you a higher position, the hierarchy, and you kind of can let that get to you. And, and I think always, I think I've always understood priesthood, the, one of the biggest challenges, and I knew this from the beginning, was the tendency to be self-absorbed or to think of oneself because you don't have a life that constantly thinks of others meaning such as married life, you know, living with your, your spouse and living with children and, and the constant sacrificing. You know, that's no guarantee you're going to do that, but you have that in front of you. And I think for priests, that's always a good call through prayer and through sacrifice and through re-reminding ourselves that it is servant. And, you know, I think the church lays down a great foundation for us to keep reminding us. And we priests um, and all the ordained ministers have to constantly look at that. We are co-workers also with our bishops in teaching. Now, that's an important part of priesthood, that we teach the faith and we help carry out Christ's missions. And priests and deacons do this by proclaiming the word of God to the people. And this education includes about the social teachings of the church, that, Kevin, the gospel isn't just a Sunday thing or an act of piety to make us feel holier. It really has an effect in the world. And it has a lot to say how people live in the world. I think the challenge for a lot of Christians is they can kind of compartmentalize their faith and say, well, in these particular times I can live this, and in these particular ways I can live a different way. And if men are laying down their lives here in the priesthood, they're not doing it for um, in terms of just 
um, they're doing it for a greater reason, Kevin, that the gospel has an uh, effect in, in everyone's life. You know, Father Eric, if you look at the compendium of the Catholic Church, they say that priests should animate the pastoral action in the social field, especially assisting lay Christians who are involved in the political and social life. And that pastoral concern extends beyond the local church. Bishops and priests must also attend to the problems facing people of the world, sharing their experiencing their experiences and growing above all in solidarity with the poor, those who are struggling in life. And if you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it tells us also that bishops and priests preside over the Eucharist, offering sacrifice in the name of the whole church, the body of Christ. And in celebrating the Eucharist, the Holy Spirit transforms the people of God for mission. Wow, you know, Kevin, that's a lot, a lot going through my mind right now. And one of the things that's going through my mind is that leadership for a priest, someone responsible for the community, is one of building community. And so to be a leader in our Catholic faith is one of bringing all types of people with all backgrounds, all experiences, all opinions and try to form them into a community. And that's a big challenge. And no one man can do that alone. No one priest or deacon can do that alone. Whoever is leading the community, whoever our leaders are, uh, we have to use language that's inviting. We have to use language that uh, lets people know that they have a place here at the, at the altar, at the table, at the community. And, um, you know, sometimes that butts heads with other forms of leadership, uh, you know, when I coach football, for example, at a local high school here, I, I love doing that and all, But and I love all the coaches. They're kind of like brothers to me, but uh, I'll tell you, sometimes there's a mindset where you run the team like there's a boss. I'm the boss. You're going to do what you're going to do, and we get that. that. That's one form of leadership, but I don't think sometimes that translates very well into building community and and trying to invite and encourage people. So one of the things that's the nature of ordained ministry is creating community, and the miracle of the Mass that the priest is at making Christ present is that all people, whether they're the help or they're powerful people in, in life, they all come to the table, and all are important, and all have a place in that, and that's a, a key role of leadership in ordained ministry. And you know, it's important you know, another important role of the priest is, as you said, is to try to bring the entire community together. And you said that can be a very uh, difficult yes. thing to do, both in worship, because lots of people have different experiences of who God is to them, what God should be, what the role of the church should be in their life. So it's that whole idea of trying to bring, working together to bring the entire community together, both in worship and in building up the church in the world. You know, being a man of communion means also that a priest must be a man of mission and dialogue, uh, working for unity, working for justice and peace, even with other faiths, being a person of goodwill, and especially for those who are poor who are, and who are, who are, who are um, vulnerable or who are weak in our society. You know, if we look at, at, the, at the writings of St. John Vianney, he wrote that the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. So, Father Eric, if you look at the teachings of the different saints, for example, like St. John Vianney, what he says is the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. Also, take a look at St. Augustine. He noted that the priesthood is the office of the Good Shepherd who offers his life for his sheep. The priest is above all a servant. And just as Christ emptied himself 
to become the suffering servant for us so that we could have eternal life. So the priest gives of himself in service for the work of the church and for the world. I think most people, Kevin, would agree that probably one of the most awful feelings we can have is feeling alone and lost and that nobody cares. I think there's different parts in our life where we really feel that way. And the call of ministry that you were talking about is really the call for priesthood is to be an advocate for those who are on the margins, those who are many times forgotten and have no power and no voice. And really, that's how, uh, that's how the priesthood should be lived. And this comes really from the prophets of the Old Testament, that when one seriously looks at the scriptures, Kevin, one sees that the prophets are saying caring for the poor, for the vulnerable, the forgotten, the lowly, is not a request. It's not a, a good invitation to say, well, this is what would be pleasing God. It's a commandment. And that's how serious they are. And that's why a lot of times people struggle with that in the church. Should the church be in areas and really talk about things that really cause people to change their attitude about their money, about their goods, about their possessions, about how the economy works and life works. And that's why the, the church, the priest, really has to be an advocate, a voice for the voiceless. And to some people, that can sound like real political and, and real kind of affront a, a to, to what they're thinking, but it's the gospel, and the gospel comes from a lot different, a different place in the world. So to be ordained, we do live in the world, and we also give direction to the world that you know, we allow people to know that we are in this together, that it isn't just an individual journey, but that the road to salvation really goes through the community and how we treat and love one another, and that's right central to the gospel. You're right. And then, Father Eric, through the sacrament of holy orders, the priest is set apart by God and the Christian community to fulfill a special role in the body of Christ. The model for that role is Jesus Christ himself, who laid down his life for his sheep. The priest is empowered by God, just as Jesus' first apostles were, to carry out the very mission that Christ himself performed. You know, just one final thought here, Kevin. We have the title Father and you know, that's a very special responsibility in receiving that title. But many times when I talk to people, Kevin, and I've talked to you about this as well, is that the title is only good for me for one thing, for me and my ministry, is that it allows me entrance into people's lives. That many times when you go in the hospital, they don't want to see anybody. They're, you know, who are you? What are you doing uh, here? And once they know, Father, it's you. They let you into their lives. When people want to get married there, they let you into their lives. When people are sick or wounded or joyful and baptism and, and great joys, um, they invite you into their lives. So really, Father isn't so much a, a sense of power and a sense of control and, and having control over people's lives, yes and no, you're doing right and wrong. It really is an invitation that you humbly accept from people to say, Father, you are welcomed here at this moment in our sorrows and in our joy. So I think um, it's a life worth considering, uh, people out there that might be considering that, but also to pray for vocations. I was vocation director for a year in our diocese here, Kevin, and, and I found probably the greatest obstacle uh, is parents and families who, who really are afraid and not understanding that life. It's not an easy life, but yet there's a joyful life to it as well that they miss out because they may feel their son and daughter can't really consider a life of serving the church full times in their lives. And, you know, I think you and I, Kevin, in our lives know that 
it's been our life for almost our whole life and we're central in that and it's a joy to be able to serve God's people. So Kevin, it's been great. I think we've finished this uh, uh, talk on sacraments. Thanks for being my buddy here. And oh, you're welcome. for Father. all you do here. We'll do it again. Thanks to Kelly. And she's wearing a Cubs hat. I like that. Go Cubs, go. I'm a Joe Madden fan. You know, he's great. I, and that's the only reason I get the baseball package, Kevin, is I like to watch the Cubs and Dodgers and, of course, the D-backs as well. Yeah, we're in Arizona, Kelly. A D-backs <laughs> hack next time. Thank you for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast Weekly Mass Readings. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, providing this service to strengthen your experience at Mass.